Previously on Chase the Brony Cop. I'm about to head in for my little pony conference, which I guess makes me a brony. Okay. But they're very good. They're very good hearted. So okay. don't uh, judge them too hard. Awesome. Who is your favorite one? Uh, She's Twilight favorite. Sparkle. Twilight Sparkle? That's one name? Because somebody told me before it was just Twilight. A lot of people are surprised at the maiden demographic here. Mostly uh, the writing. The, the writing. The writing and the humor. It's, oh. uh, uh, when Lauren Faust set out to reimagine My Little Pony and when she was asked. Hey, there he is. Hey, Jace. Uh, good. I know people, you're busy. People were telling me about some guy in his media, so I was like, nobody <laughs> registered for media. Yeah, you know, it's um, it's definitely kept my mind on on this, this whole entire convention. I mean, right. this is a process of, a, you know, years-long work of, right. uh, you know, talking to people. Welcome to the Life Podcast Network. In the first episode, we met Chase Hedges, a guy in his early 20s who had set out to become a police officer but was now working his way out of an unexpected turn in life. I met up with him at a My Little Pony conference. They're different people, but they all connect to this one show. Right, right. And it brings them all together. I, I interviewed a guy from Sweden. Okay, yeah. Nash. Yeah. Nash, yep. you know him, okay. Yep. <laughs> yep, Nash. Okay, so, you know, we've had a number of discussions, and the, the, the real impetus of this podcast is called A Change of Plans. So um, I just want to get a sense of, um, you don't have to even go into what, but is this kind of taking over, or is this, you know, is it doesn't really have any bearing on the the other pursuit yeah you know it's um it's definitely kept my mind on on this this whole entire convention i mean this is a process of a you know years-long work of uh you know talking with people getting things done this and that you know managing everybody and so you know i have my full-time job at work and stuff you know that and then basically i'll just come home and work with my volunteer staff over the internet because you know there's not too many people from this volunteer staff that actually live in the state and i think it's that's another testament to how uh, generous this fandom is is that these people are going to be coming from different states and they just want to help out the convention for free. They're right. volunteers, right. and I think that's great. And I really appreciate them doing that. And uh, it does. It hasn't. Uh, it hasn't stopped me from my other uh, career path, right. uh, uh, which is law enforcement. Right. That's what I had learned nine months ago that intrigued me: Chase's desire to be in law enforcement. And that's what started a number of conversations between Chase and I. Hello, Chase. Hey, what's going on? Dean Rice here. Hey, Dean. How's it going? Good. How are you? Pretty good. I, I know it's been a few weeks. I was wondering if now is a good time to call. Hey, always. How's how's life treating you? 
Oh, pretty good. I was actually just on the phone with uh, one of my associates, associates, I should say, my friend. But uh, <laughs> I work, you know, he works, he works with me and stuff. He's our finance guy. I like but, that. Uh, though. Just, I, yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna call my kids associates. Yeah, there you go. How? <laughs> <laughs> um, give me a little summary of how things are going. I know that you told me some on Friday, but um, I don't think you gave me like a number on Friday. Where Where are you guys at? Uh, let me uh, log on to get some uh, information here. I gotta pull up my spreadsheets, and I gotta pull up the where our ticket uh, ticket website is here. Okay. Okay. So um, currently, we have uh, we have 160 people registered, which is uh, compared to last year, we're down a little bit, but that's just because we um, we're only selling a few a few tickets. Um, like we were only selling the three day tickets right now and vendors and all that other stuff. We hadn't been selling our one day tickets. Oh. We just, uh, we just did that March 1st. So, and we're not too worried because actually, like I said, we're doing at least $4,000 uh, ahead of where we were last year at this time. <laughs> so, um, as far as sales wise, we're doing well. Nice. Uh, and now is the time for us to start. Um, pushing, pushing uh, promotion and stuff. So we're going to start announcing a few more guests. Tell me, I I bounced between My Little Pony and Brony. Which one should I say convention, Brony or My Little Pony? Well, uh, it's it's both. I okay. mean, this is this is a My Little Pony event. It's um, it's for fans of the show who who watch My Little Pony, and the fans they'll categorize themselves as Bronies. Mm-hmm. Um, or then you also have a, you know, a few far in between uh, females who consider themselves Pegasus sisters, um, because obviously Pegasus is uh, some type of you know horse or whatever. And um, so, but that does usually the, the the girls will still categorize themselves as bronies. But um, it's a brownie convention, but it's also a um, convention for fans of the My Little Pony show. Okay. Okay. When when uh, last year when you did this this was the second year or was it the first year? Last year, two thousand and fourteen, uh, it was June sixth through the eighth, and uh, it was our first year doing a doing actually any type of convention. And last year we had roughly a thousand people come. Here you are. Uh, how old are you, Chase? I'm twenty four years old. Twenty four, and I think a lot of people hearing this would say never even thought about My Little Pony, let alone here's a convention in Minnesota that's drawing over a thousand people. Uh, this isn't exactly the career ambition you had in mind a few years ago. No, you're absolutely right. And, um, you know, uh, if you would have asked me uh, last year when I was uh, organizing this, I would have said to myself, well, really? Am I am I really doing this? This doesn't even sound like something that I would do. But, um, <laughs> You know, sometimes in life, when uh, you're, you're you're given an opportunity to try something new or do something new, and you want to go with it, sometimes you just uh, you just got to go with that instinct and and just go with it because it uh, could lead to some pretty cool possibilities that you never would have thought that you would have even imagined having. And fair to say that um, your instincts earlier in your life were for a different kind of career. That's right. I had uh, always wanted to be uh, in law enforcement in some type of public safety uh, field, 
And so I was pursuing my, I was pursuing that dream and I went to college, uh, at Alexandria Technical and Community College. I went there for two years and received my two year, um, applied associates of science degree, uh, in law enforcement, specifically a law enforcement degree and, uh, graduated in 2010. And, uh, then I kept working my way towards, uh, becoming, trying to become a, a full-time sworn peace officer in the state of Minnesota. Whenever I think of a police officer, I think of the guy who might pull me over. Were you were you wanting to be in a cop car and and uh, do that sort of thing? Yeah, I've always wanted to uh, be a patrol officer. Obviously, in the beginning, um, thing about being a patrol officer that has always been fascinating to me is that you know you're there you're there at uh, somebody's worst time that you'll 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 never see somebody uh, you know if you're on a call at their best time. They're always either looking for help um or they're trying to help somebody or or something you know bad is really happening so you're never going to see somebody at their worst time and and uh it's always been it's always been something about me where i've just always thought that it's it's great to help people and um mm-hmm. and and uh, see see what i can do to better somebody's life were your parents concerned about the risks uh yeah um well not so much my dad, my mom, of course, because all mothers are always concerned about their kids, no matter how old they are. Hmm. Uh, and then, of course, my grandparents were as well, well, well my grandmas. But um, but they understood. You know, there's risk in every job. Is it always 100%? I want to do this. Yeah, it was always a 100%. Uh, I want to. I want to do this. Uh, I had after I had graduated, I had gotten a um, I had gotten a part time job. Uh, doing security down at uh, Sunray Shopping Center, which is located in St. Paul, and it's kind of in a you know it's kind of in a rough neighborhood, so it was actually a really good uh, starting point for me because I got to deal with a lot of different types of situations. So it's a very competitive uh, job job market because there are not that many jobs out there, but there are tons of people looking to get that job. So eventually, you had a, a run-in with the law. Yeah, I sure did, and um, it was probably, saying it is weird, but it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, There was a time in my life when I was 21, 22, uh, even up to 23, where, um, you know, I would go out drinking with my friends or um, go to some bars or whatever, and uh, instead of doing the, the correct decision and either have a sober friend drive or be sober or get a taxi cab uh, to take me home or wherever I was going, I would uh, just find it easier to drive myself to the place that I needed to be knowingly um, so that I was uh, probably over the legal limit in Minnesota, which is .08. And, um, you know, that invincibility phase caught up to me um, in um, June of 2013. I was coming home from a coworker's barbecue party in Minneapolis. I had driven home all the way to Andover, which is about a 45 or about a 35 minute drive on the highways and everything. Um, and uh, I was about two minutes away from my house when I had accidentally rear-ended somebody, and um, I was a little too intoxicated. And I actually did not know that I had rear-ended them. They had pulled to the side, but I had kept going to my house. Uh, well, the lady had followed me, had my license plate written down, 
I got to my house, and 30 minutes later, a deputy showed up and asked to speak to me. And uh, we had gone outside, and uh, he had asked me some questions about the you know, alleged hit and run. I had no recollection of it. So we went over to my vehicle to check to see if there was any damage. And in my lower, uh, lower passenger side bumper, front bumper, there was a small trailer hitch indentation where I had uh, just kind of hit her her trailer hitch, and it made a little uh, made a little mark, a perfectly square mark. So after he saw that, he asked me if I'd been drinking, and um, I said yes, I had been, and um, he did the uh, standard field sobriety test on me, and um, I ultimately failed, and he um, uh, gave me the uh, portable breathalyzer test uh, on my driveway. And I blew a .25, and I was arrested for uh, DWI. What was the reading again? A .25, which is uh, over triple the legal limit. Hmm. What were the next uh, experiences like? Uh, what uh, What followed from that is uh, we went down to the station, and he um, gave me the implied consent uh, implied consent advisory form, which basically says that. Uh, you have to give a blood breath um, or urine sample or otherwise if you give a refusal to the test that's an automatic gross misdemeanor which is um, if people know the law not good hmm. um, so I consented to a uh, breath test and they uh, have a um, they have a better uh, better um, machine that reads um, alcohol by volume uh, is, which is called the intoxilizer, and uh, the deputy that is administering the test has to be um, certified to use that. Uh, and the, the officer that had uh, arrested me was, so he gave me the intoxilizer, and um, it uh, it read at a point two four. So that was basically the icing on the cake uh, that they needed for you know enough probable cause to arrest me, send me down to the station, and uh, send all the. Uh, information to the uh, county attorney so the county attorney could uh, write formal charges against me so um, after that happened I went down to jail into the booking facility I was fingerprinted in the same um, in the same facility that I was transporting offenders to which was very embarrassing hmm. and then um, I was in jail for four days because of my such high um, high concentration of alcohol that I blew. I had a mandatory 36-hour hold. I got out Tuesday afternoon, and um, then I had court cases after that. Um, pled guilty to fourth-degree DWI, um, and uh, um, which is a misdemeanor in the state of Minnesota. And uh, I had to do 160 hours of community service, attend a MAD panel, take a six-week-long chemical dependency class, and uh, have no same or similar offenses, uh, no alcohol or drug-related offenses for two years. Or else? Uh, or else um, then I would have to go back into the courts and the judge would determine what would happen to me after that. So you m maybe a chance at that time you you would go to jail for some period of time? Uh, yeah, there would be a possibility. Um, you know, it's all up to what the judge orders. So what's jail like? Uh, it's the it's not it's not fun. It's uh, definitely for somebody who had spent their whole entire life trying to be a police officer. Um, 
you know, it's not a good place to be. Uh, you know, especially in the same, especially in the same facility that I was taking offenders uh, and backtracking. I forgot to tell you that I was also a St. Francis Police Reserve Officer for um, almost two years, so. which is uh, where I would have my experience um, transporting offenders uh, to to the jail. Huh. Uh, yeah. So, did you know the guys that were keeping watch? Uh, no, I did not. They were, um, they were just, uh, you know, the regular, um, correctional officers and I, I didn't have any contact with them prior. And if I did, then I, I wouldn't recognize them because I had only been, um, transporting people for maybe, you know, I, mean, I had only done it maybe, uh, 10 to 15 times and, you know, there's always somebody different in there. Hmm. What did you, what did you experience in those four days, right? Yeah, four days. Um, what did you experience that was what you didn't expect, what most people might not know? Um, well, you know, I'm not sure. Um, the toothpaste was terrible. It made my <laughs> teeth It made my teeth hurt so bad. I'm not sure what, what was that all about. I asked one of the inmates there, and they said that that happens to some people. So I don't know if it's some type of reaction or whatnot, but it really makes your teeth, you can't even bite down on something. It, it makes it so, it messes with your nerves or something. I'm not sure. Holy cats. Um, you know, there was, uh, you know, even though it was, it was a jail and not a prison, there were some pretty, you know, unruly people in there. Uh, people that just want to try and mess with you. Um, you know, nobody had messed with me. There was one one incident. Somehow, somehow word had gotten around that I was a prior law prior law enforcement. So um, one person had belted out that I was, you know, a police officer, or whatever, and you know, it did nothing. Nobody, you know, did anything to me, and it didn't affect me at all. So, hmm. but um, yeah, you know, there's just some some people are pretty interesting. Yeah, I bet. Is it is it boring? It was the time went uh, probably the slowest time has ever gone. Um, not only was it terrible to get arrested in front of my parents and uh, and you know have my dreams get shattered like that all in an instant. Um, it, you know it was during um, the weekend of Father's Day, so it was I was um, in jail for Father's Day, so I felt pretty bad about that. Um, and yeah, time just went really slow. It, uh, I was trying to figure out when I was going to get my bail set so I could talk to the judge and, you know, get out of jail. But I didn't realize that I had a 36 minute or hold until maybe Monday when they told me uh, that that was the case. And, uh, yeah, I just kind of just sat in my cell the whole time cause I didn't want to talk to anybody mm-hmm. and, uh, just kind of read a book and, just kind of just thought, you know, what the heck just happened. Hmm. It's funny because, you know, if you think about it, um, I don't know what the percentages are, but probably 99 people get away with that. But, you know, you were that one in 50, one in 100. I don't know that that didn't. Yeah, they say uh, in one of the classes that I had, they say that – you know, before you get your first DWI, you, you're likely to have driven intoxicated 80 times before. So, wow. And uh, yeah, that was pretty accurate, I would say. Wow. You figure 
as hard as that was, maybe this was a blessing in disguise. I would say so, yeah, because um, you know, not only did not not only was it a reality check, but uh, you know, it definitely um it definitely it definitely brought me to a bunch of different areas in life that I didn't think that I would be involved in. Uh, for instance, um after that, because I had to do community service I went to a uh, facility for uh, troubled teens, teens who have behavioral problems, and uh, it's almost like a juvenile jail, but it's where the judge uh, uh, makes people go instead of juvenile jail because it is um, it is a Volunteers of America facility, and it's not a correctional facility. However, they are locked down in cells uh, during the night, but they they they're it's more of a um, structured rehabilitation center where they actually will try and teach these kids, you know, proper things and stuff. So I was there as a mentor, which was really nice because I met two individuals that I worked with and, uh, you know, I did some, I did some, you know, good, uh, good stuff with them. And we, we had some good conversations every Friday. And then, um, I went to, I still go to a place called Manor Market. Um, it's at a church. It's held at a church. It's a nonprofit organization that, um, you know, has uh, food for people who are, you know, in need. Well, you know, I'm, of course, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm, I'm glad that because of the situation that you ran into in life, I got to meet you. I'm definitely glad I got to meet you. And it's almost exactly what you're saying. It's like we ended up at Man Market for different reasons and I wouldn't trade it for anything. I actually enjoy going, which seems so strange that on a Friday night, you know, I'm hand, I'm carrying boxes of food out to cars, but I thoroughly enjoy it. Yeah. I would have to agree. You know, I, you know, there's been some there's been some weeks where I, I say to myself, well, because for some reason I see somebody that maybe you know um, one of the people in line aren't having the great of greatest times and and they uh, and they just don't seem to be too pleased about anything. So it kind of makes me sometimes say, well, what am I doing this for? But then I keep coming back and I have really positive experiences. I get to talk to all the cool volunteers. Um, you know, everybody there is great. And, uh, you know, then in line when I'm, you know, talking to some of the people who are getting the food, it, uh, just to, just to even say, Hey, how are you doing today? Or how, how has your week been? And then they, they say something back to you. And, you know, a lot of these people, I think are probably, you know, ones that don't get to have that type of social interaction or maybe people who don't even care. And so when, you know, when you just do that little, you do that little small step and it's not even that, it's not even that hard to do, but if people were to just maybe get out of their own comfort zone and say, Hey, how are you doing? How's it going? Things like that, that makes other people, um, really happy. And sometimes you don't know it, but, um, you know, other times you'll see the, the, you'll see the smile on their face and, or, or they'll talk to you even more and then, uh, then you get a rapport going. You get to know some of the people. You get to know some of their names, and and um, then it's really fun to to help them out and stuff too. So. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I'm going to ask you two more questions. I definitely kept you longer than I told you I would. Uh, the first question is: um, How many um, hours of community service do you have left? Uh, I have zero hours of community service. I had uh, completed it. Um, 
I had completed it last August. So um, I've just been coming just because. <laughs> That's awesome. I did not know yeah. that. <laughs> yep. I, I would have never, you know, I mean, not that, I, I, I totally get you on that, uh, on why you come, but I had just assumed you were still uh, whittling down the hours. So my last question, uh, and I'm going to ask you some more when I get to the um, conference, but my last question is, um, what are your thoughts about still getting into law enforcement? Uh, my thoughts are... Um they are they're they've been intensified times a hundred i have uh i have so many of my friends that are um you know in law enforcement or in corrections or still in the military and you know they they kind of keep me going because i want to do what they are doing and i went to school for this and i don't one of the one of the big reasons is i went to school i paid money and i don't want to I don't want to not be able to do what I went to school for because of an error in judgment that I made. And I say error in judgment because a if I were to say a mistake, well, that just means that I didn't mean to make it. I knew what I was doing. I knew I knew what I was doing. I knew that uh, that it was wrong, but I thought I would get away, get away with it. So that's why I call it an error in judgment. But uh, it's very strong right now my, my aspirations to still get in there it's going to take some time and um you know doing all these things all the volunteer things it is showing progression uh you know in the eyes of uh, somebody that would be maybe be doing a background check on me if i were to get um you know hired for a job and there's one thing about me that i don't know if you've ever noticed but um my perseverance is tremendous and, um, <laughs> yeah and if it's possible um then I'll I will continue on doing it. But if if I continue, if I get no's from people or say it's not worth it or you're not going to get the job, and that's a definite answer from people, then then I'll look look into different uh, different areas of uh, careers. But from all the people that I have talked to, all the law enforcement officers that I've talked to, they say that uh, if that's what I really want to do, then keep on keep on working at it and keep on progressing showing them that you've changed and um it can still happen but it'll take time and uh if that is if that's what it takes then that's what i will have to do because i think i was uh i think i was um supposed to do this type of work i was supposed to uh to help people or at least try to help people so. This is great. Thank you, Chase. I appreciate uh, the 54 minutes and 17 seconds. I look forward to uh, seeing you at Mana Market and then uh, June. You too, Dean. We'll see you next or this Friday. And now I'll go back to the end of that conversation I had with Chase at the My Little Pony conference. Path, right. uh, uh, which is law enforcement. Right. Uh, recently, I haven't seen you for a while, but recently yeah. um, I got uh, accepted to be a reserve uh, deputy in Sherburne County. Serious. Yep. So I'm back on with the department and uh, getting back into it. So Very nice. Things are kind of just progressing in the way that it needs to be. You are uh, going to be a busy dude with yeah. three things that are... Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Man Market, that's why I haven't been there in the past month, not only because of this, but uh, the past two other weekends I was working in Sherbrooke County. So. Well, you know what? I think you're, you're excused. You've got an excuse. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I, <laughs> I don't need to keep coming.
It's now October, four months after the My Little Pony conference. I called up Chase, who I hadn't seen in quite a while. He told me that in addition to his deputy position, he is also working as a full-time resident counselor at a treatment facility. When Chase shared his story with me, it came at a time when I was considering getting back into podcasting. So I explained that to him, and over the course of about six months, we had many conversations, and this is a very small part of that. His determination to get back into law enforcement motivated me to take a step of faith with my podcast networking idea. In the next episode, I'll share how I faced one important obstacle to get over before moving ahead with my podcast. The one thing I lacked was a partner who would share my feelings about this podcast business pursuit. Hi. Are you David? Nice to meet you. Yeah, we met each other at the... uh Ten Commandments. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> my, you know, in those nights, my brain is kind of in a fog, so... Oh, you heard a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. oh, Did you enjoy it? Yeah, no, it was wonderful. Well, I must. I bought it through iTunes a couple of years. Have you wondered where your road will lead you? Maybe to a bright day of sunshine Or a starry night in heaven Or it might be you're afraid to go, afraid to go, but you've got to find.